Welcome to People Helping People, the podcast to inspire greater social change in the business world and give you ideas on how to take action. This week, I sit down with Lamar Peoples, the outreach coordinator at Starhouse, a drop-in center for youth experiencing homelessness here in Central Ohio. Lamar has spent his career on the ground reaching out to people, and he's put a lot of effort into something that has long been a mystery to me, politics. Generally, political news drives me nuts, but I've always wondered how politics actually works and how people make a difference through government. Lamar has such a unique first-hand perspective on this. I'm so very excited to sit down with him. So, Lamar, welcome on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Adam. Cool. And now you have a very interesting background. You started off in politics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, I I grew up here in Columbus, Ohio, and um, I driven past and walked past and even visited the state house. Uh, You know, Columbus is the capital of Ohio, and so we have our state house here. And Growing up, seeing that place, I never really knew what it was for. I just remember briefly growing up going there on a, a field trip and seeing, you know, sort of the the lights and this paint and these <laughs> chambers and people walking around in suits and and professionals. And, and I always wonder what that was all about. So it wasn't until I was around 20 years old that I had the great opportunity of going to one of President Obama's re-election campaign speeches. Oh, cool. Uh, It was at Schuller Park in German Village. The speech was September 20th, um, and they went around asking people if they were interested in signing up to help out. And so I signed up, and about a week later, I got a call saying, hey, you want to come and help us out? And at that point, I was living on the west side of Columbus. So I went to one of the field offices, and this is where I got introduced to, like, grassroots door knocking and things of that sort. And so um, from there, you know, what was amazing is, like, September 28th is when I started. And then October 8th um, of that same year, I got a call from Lodro Winsler, who was the field director. He said— Hey, Lamar, how's it going? And I'm like, I'm all right. You know, you need me to do a shift tomorrow? He's like, that and how would you like to meet the president? Holy moly. (laughs) So that, I was like, sure. Yeah, yeah. But And, and, you know, of course, wanted to get off the phone so I could really digest mentally what that was going to look like. And so I, I found myself just telling everybody, I'm going to meet the president. I'm going to meet the president. And so October 9th of 2012, President Obama was on his way here to speak at the Oval at the Ohio State University and met him on the tarmac and got to watch him come off the plane, you know, and he shook my hand and just thanked me for helping him. And I was in shock, so I didn't say much, (laughs) but I had this huge grin on my face and that picture was captured. So I have a um, a memento to remember that uh, occasion. And the election ended, he got reelected, and it was kind of like, well, what do you do now? You know, I had got this, I guess, the political bug, they say, where, you know, now you're so, you know, growing up, I remember we would do the kids vote at school. And at this time, around the time George Bush was running for reelection, I was, uh, 
I liked George Bush for some reason. I don't know why. I think his name and some other, I don't know. But uh, I remember my dad saying, no, you don't like George Bush. We're Democrats. <laughs> um, and so come to find out, you know, when you think about political socialization and how people begin to develop their thinking around politics, family is like the number one influencer. So from that day on, I was a Democrat. And so I found that after the reelection of President Obama, I went to the Democratic Party and said, what can I do? Mm. And so I ultimately became the super volunteer, um, you know, helping out from state races to local races and some federal congressional races. And, and I just learned a lot. You begin to see what people really care about and what motivates them to get up and vote. And it's issues like they want clean air and they want to have a livable wage job and they want to make sure that their grandkids are going to have a quality education and families want to send their kids to decent and affordable health care and they want to be able to take time off if they need to and all these things that you begin to learn about like what does people really want. And this is just from going door to door knocking and talking to people. Yeah, just grassroots canvassing and you really begin to get a snapshot for what people want. And so I became emboldened by that. And I saw politics as a means to really help people. And so through connections I made at the party, one of the guys there had got a job in the state house. And, um, you know, I just couldn't shake it at that point. And I would go and hang out at the state house just to kind of hang out and I found myself talking to Republicans and Democrats and, and really started to see that at the end of the day, we all share a common thread, and that's that we just want safe communities, access to livable wage jobs, and to raise our family and make sure that we leave something for the next generation. And so he was like, I saw him, he was walking somewhere, and he said, hey, Lamar, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm just hanging out. Well, he was like, well, what about an internship? I saw it as a step up, you know, because now I'm in, the, I'm in the thick of it. And so what I learned uh, in that internship, and I ultimately ended up doing three uh, five-month internships in oh, the wow. Ohio House of Representatives, is you begin to learn about your state. So if we know the Ohio House of Representatives is made up 99 members, and they represent uh, various regions of the state, some even five to ten counties deep. They're representing Appalachia and rural communities and suburban areas. But you really got to see some of the differences, but also some of those common threads. People in Ohio want clean water. Uh, they want better transportation, public transportation systems. And you realize how not having those things impacts, I'll speak from my own experience, being here in central Ohio, our transportation system is not that great. <laughs> and so when you have jobs out in Polaris or Westerville, these suburban areas, and you have people living in the inner city, they don't have access to these great mm. jobs that exist because we don't have the infrastructure. When you were interning you know, in with the, the House of Representatives, like, are they as divided as what you see on TV in terms of 
like the federal government where it's yeah. like you have Democrats and Republicans and they, yeah. you know, are one against the other. So that's a great question. You would see a Republican and a Democrat go at it on the House floor, but then you would go up to their offices and see them laughing and joking and sharing pictures about their little nephew or niece or, you know, getting lunch. To be honest, politics, I think they show out for the camera (laughs) more than (laughs) they actually, on camera, they're trying to keep their base in check. And and what you find, though, is if when you're in a space where there's 99 of you, you have to get along. Yeah. Um, and so I think in the inside, they're getting along, they're laughing, and they're joking. But when it comes time to stand on that floor and that camera's on you, you show out. So <laughs> I think that's what's happening. Oh, interesting. So after that, um, mm-hmm. what happened to, yeah, to get so, to the next level? So I was interning in the house, but working like this customer service job. And so I start saying to myself, you know, you you go and you intern in the House of Representatives, and then you come to this minimum wage job providing customer service. And not that anything are wrong with those jobs. The economy wouldn't run without having customer service, even though they could pay them a little more. But uh, so I start figuring out, well, what can I do to sort of level out? You know, where I'm an intern and I'm also doing good work as well in the community. And what's interesting is I had become a volunteer at COSI when mm. I was 16 years old. For people not in Columbus, what is COSI? COSI is, it's, uh, stands for the Center of Science and Industry. So it's this huge museum, basically, where you learn about water and you learn about gravity and you just learn about all these different things. Yeah, yeah it's this hands-on sort of museum. They have this huge thing called the Extreme Screen, which was my favorite part of being a volunteer at GoSci. Um, <laughs> it's a cool volunteer you get to watch gig. movies, you yeah. know, and these are great movies. Um, and that's where I really became you know, where I got my first exposure to nonprofits Mm. and sort of how that works. But it wasn't until my last internship ended in May of 2015 that I um, was uh, at that time living in the Old Town East area right by the American Red Cross. And so I was like, okay, I want to keep this going. You know, my resume has a couple internships in the Ohio House. What's next? How do I build on that? And so did some research and was going to be just become a volunteer at the American Red Cross doing um, disaster outreach. But they had an opportunity for you to become an AmeriCorps member. Huh. Signed up for that and ended up becoming an, uh, a di- community disaster educator. Within a year, we spoke to about 5,000 people uh, from, from preschoolers and nursery school age kids all the way up to senior citizens about the importance of home fire preparedness and emergency preparedness and how to properly wash your hands and some of the germs that you get just by not washing your hands and how you can prevent 
common colds and other illnesses and sicknesses by just washing your hands. And so <laughs> is I that did, why you, you've got a, a hand sanitizer on your desk? Yeah, for sure. And I, I and in in my current role, role of doing outreach and, and going out in the community, shaking hands all the time, I make sure I wash my hands <laughs> consistently and keep hand sanitizer. So that whole experience was amazing. I mean you get an office and you have to keep a calendar and you have to develop new programming and all of this good stuff. And so that's where I really found that I love the nonprofit sector because you you find this mission and you get to help facilitate it. One of the major things that still sticks with me is there would be fires that would happen and they would send a disaster team out. And these people would lost everything, and 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 the Red Cross would be there to give you food and give you a card with money on it, so you could get a hotel room for the night, and then provide you with a case manager so that you could wow. uh, work through getting a new home, and then finding furniture and mitigating some of the losses and things of that sort. And so I really found this passion for the nonprofit sector. But I remain very involved in politics. I mean, still knocking doors, still being at uh, present, still, you know, working with um, politicians and talking about policy and things of that sort. And um, decided, you know, wasn't going to get a job. I had asked around. Nobody was hiring in the political sector. So I went ahead and extended my term with AmeriCorps to go to the Habitat for Humanity, um, which was in the community that I grew up in. And so here again, this place I've always driven by, but never really knew what they did. Um, And so I became an outreach coordinator there. My role was to basically go out and tell people about the awesome opportunity that Habitat provides them. You can literally choose a style of home that you want, and have it built from the ground up and end up with a 15-year mortgage with zero interest. So you can imagine what that does for people who grew up in poverty or are just working class, but they're able to get this home built just for them with this organization that's going to work with them, uh, that's going to train them on financial literacy and how to keep a certain amount in your account. So, so they you, do a lot more than just building the houses. Yeah, yeah. It's this whole comprehensive, well-rounded approach to making sure that you're not just building a house and putting somebody in there, but you're preparing them to be homeowners. Ah. And so I that's where I begin to learn, you know, and really develop what do I see the community that I live in becoming and if I was to ever get elected, I start thinking about elected office and how I could have an impact there and you know, housing insecurity and food deserts and environmental issues with the Red Cross. We were sending people down to, you know, hurricanes and 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 play all even across the world and tsunamis and earthquakes and these natural disasters that were happening that you could say was because of climate change. So I began to develop these real sort of understanding of issues and then what I stood for as a a potential public servant. While I was at Habitat, I'd connected with a a guy named Danny O'Connor, who uh, was a young Democrat 
they had a spark in his eye, as they would say, and uh, he was running for county recorder. I'm like, county recorder? Here I go again, right? Not knowing what these things are, but finding myself in the midst of them. What you come to find out is that the recorder records deeds uh, of people's homes and um, and basically acts as the public file cabinet for the mm. county. And so I helped out for with him for about a year, basically from August of 15 to around um, election day of 2016. He won, and he said, Lamar, I want you to come work in my office and be my executive assistant. So uh, I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> here I go. From that intern in the Ohio House of Representatives, not really knowing what I'm getting into, but know I had the passion to help people and knew that's the kind of route I wanted to go. And so I left AmeriCorps and, and joined his administration. It was an all right job. You know, you get the mahogany desk, the view of the city, you get to influence some policy, you get to know what's going on, who's going to run, when, and how. But I couldn't help feeling like this is not it uh, because for that kind of position, it's more administrative. So you're the gatekeeper. You're supposed to be at the desk all the time. You're scheduling the meetings. You're facilitating. You're drafting senior reports and all of this stuff. And I just found that was boring. <laughs> Coming from community work and Where doing hitting canvassing. The and, and, right. And so um, – that's how I ended up at Star House. You know, around August of 2017, I started searching for outreach positions because I just wanted to give back out in the community. And Star House had an opportunity and I uh, interviewed and, and applied and interviewed and got hired and uh, was hired as the outreach specialist initially. And so it was my role. Um, we were we are a 24-7 drop-in center, and research is literally our guide to how we operate. And what's the, what's the purpose of the Star House? The Star House is a 24-7 drop-in center for youth experiencing homelessness ages 14 through 24. They're able to come at any time throughout the day and stay upwards to 12 hours at any given time. And within 20 minutes, with low barriers to access. They can take a shower. They can wash their clothes. They can get some food. But then they can get connected to medical care and workforce development and legal advice and even yoga. So it's this comprehensive, well-rounded approach. And here I am back in the nonprofit sector. Now, Um, how many people come to the Star House? So we, just in 2018, we served uh, 1,200 individual non-duplicated youth. So that means 1,200 people came through our doors. Um, And there's this estimate that on any given year, there's three to 9,000 people within that age range who just simply don't have anywhere to go. And so I've, I've found a passion as someone who has experienced housing insecurities and even homelessness. For me, being able to come back and use that experience to guide the work I do. Um, I'm the one who's always like, but have you been homeless? Um, When we're making decisions and deciding things, because we have to keep that as the guide post and and how we make our decisions. And so, yeah, I found a, a mission that I'm happy with, but 
the opportunity had came for me to possibly run for office. I saw that the current person who was representing the district I grew up in, the 25th Ohio House District, was not using the office for what I know it could be used for. And so I decided I was going to run. And the what's interesting is I learned a lot in that brief time that I did run. What was that like? Yeah. I mean, it comes down to you ch- basically trying to internalize what happens if you really win. <laughs> 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 because you start thinking about, man, I'm going to be on the floor of the Ohio House and I'm going to have a voice and I'm going to be a public servant and people are going to know who I am and I have to, I can't do this and I can't do that and I have to make sure I keep myself straight and, and all of those good things, especially being a 26-year-old. That was probably the greatest thing for me is is realizing that if I was to win, I would have this opportunity to really use all those experiences, starting with President Obama's reelection campaign and going around hearing people's issues and then going into AmeriCorps and learning about more issues and then joining um, Starhouse and learning about more issues yeah. and, and how I was going to take all of that and then go on the floor of the house and represent the community I grew up in. I fell emboldened by it. It was <laughs> like, yeah, this is it. This is what life is all about. It's about putting yourself out there and and becoming a leader so that you can be a voice for those people who may not feel their voices being heard. And how effective is that impact? I think it's extremely effective. I think if we saw more young people take an interest in politics early on and really learn the ins and outs and, and learn what could really be done in politics, but also go out and talk to these nonprofits that are doing work, making an impact daily. You know, one thing about government is it's a process. I mean, a bill has to be considered three times in the House before it even goes up for a vote. So that means a state legislator will stand up and say, I want to introduce this bill, and it'll help families get paid family leave, more of that, or it'll raise the state minimum wage. Well, that's only the first step in this sort of really year-long process of actually getting the bill passed. And so, you know, being an intern, I saw that process, and so I knew what I was getting myself into, and that's why I did it. Um, So I just challenged people to figure, you know, don't go into it blind. You know, put yourself, expose yourself to different situations than you may have grown up around and find an organization that's got a mission you believe in and go and help them and really learn from the ground what's going on. But also keep your foot in politics and do some work on some campaigns and and try to get people registered to vote and all of that good stuff. Because one thing about our country is Our votes do matter. You know, we may hear sometimes, well, Hillary won the popular vote, but she still lost. Well, people don't realize is we have four time zones in this country. So (laughs) by the time they got to California, where she got those three 
million votes, Donald Trump was already at 270 in the Electoral College. And so he had one because uh, it's who gets to 271st. And so that perspective helps you not lose faith in your government because you understand that it's working that way. And when you uh, understand how it works, that gives you better perspective. It keeps you active even when things aren't going your way per se. Now, one thing that you mentioned, which I really admire, is this kind of effort you've made to learn about the community in different ways. And so you said some of the things that people can do is get involved in, in nonprofits. How do people actually learn about making policy or figuring out what policy is that makes sense for mm -hmm. a community. I grew up here in Columbus, and I've always seen things. I've always seen homelessness, even though I didn't know what it was initially. I've always seen food insecurities, even though I didn't know what it was initially. I've always seen disinvestment in education, even though I didn't know what it was initially. And it was seeing those things and then being exposed to an environment where those things are being discussed and you start realizing how policy is impacting or creating these situations. I mean, the way education works in Ohio, you have a cap, a yearly cap. This is how much money we're going to spend on education. And it doesn't matter if this district has more students or or has less. I mean, each one is going to get sort of the same amount, and you got to do what you can with it. And so learning that and understanding, well, why aren't we expanding the cap? <laughs> uh, well, then you start realizing that you have 99 people with their agenda too. So your agenda may be education, but their agenda is uh, creating jobs and their agenda is, you know, making sure farmers get subsidies for growing our food. And so you start becoming aware, not just of what you're interested in or what you believe, but what other people believe. And I'm always aware of this statement that I hear. I don't know who said it, but you never really know what you believe until you're challenged on it. Yeah. And you have to explain it. And so for me, hearing just these different perspectives, it starts changing your perspective. And you start realizing, yeah, education is important, but so is the farmer, and so is clean water in Appalachia, and so is access to affordable housing. And this crisis doesn't just exist in Ohio, but it, it's a nationwide issue. And Sounds like that's a huge balancing act. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so that's why, you know, politics, it's not an easy road. Um, if I could say with any kind of experiences, it's not easy. Um, and then depending on how strong a particular party is, uh, you have to kind of go through that process. So for instance, I announced I was going to run. I had missed the screening process where you get to go before the party and explain why you want to get elected. And uh, they decide if they're going to endorse you or not. Well, I've missed that. And so when I jumped in, they already had their person that they supported. 
well, you think I'm a Democrat, so we're just going to run against each other and let the people choose. Well, then you find out that the party controls more than you think. And so in order to knock doors, you have to know where people live and you have to know who are Democrats because there has to be a strategy. You can't really just talk to everybody. You have to talk to people who you know are going to actually get up and go and vote. And there's this whole system for that. Oh, wow. But you don't have access to the system if they've already endorsed their person because they're not going to let you have an advantage over their endorsed candidate. And then are there a lot of restrictions when you're in a party about what you can and can't do? Definitely. So, you know, you once if you were to get elected, you would join a caucus. There's either Democrat or Republican, and then independents have to choose what caucus they're going to join. You join a caucus, there's a leadership there. You sort of feel emboldened. You're like, I'm elected. I'm going to go do these things. And then you join 99 other people in a caucus <laughs> that has a leadership and a hierarchy. And you start realizing that here I am elected with an office and a voice, but I can't really use it. So there's still more that you have to go to develop that. Yeah, so then you have to start meeting with leadership and you have to prove yourself and get reelected because <laughs> the longer you're there, the more tenure you have, the more knowledge you gain. And so it's not the all-in be-all just to get elected. Once you get elected, it's a whole set of new things to overcome. In your your thoughts, what's more effective in making a social impact, like working mm-hmm. grassroots for an organization or going through a, a route in government? I'd say both, but I think for me, for where I am, I just want to see things happen. You know, I've seen these things, I'm 27, and I've seen these things happen my whole life, and nothing changed. I joined a area commission in my neighborhood. And you begin to learn about these little issues that even exist just in your little community that you never knew about, like asset ditches and uh, <laughs> taking 20 years to get sidewalks on your street. And wow. Things of that sort. And so for me, I was like, okay, I lost. And maybe that was a good thing because I would have probably been bored as a state legislator at this point because as I just explained, you get there and you're a freshman, you're not going to get too much done, you know? And if you want to remain in good graces with your party and your caucus, you just toe the line and you, you get in line and you wait your turn. But for me, I can't do that. I mean, I've seen people struggle my whole life and we always talk about government's going to do something about it. Well, government is slow. And it's it's full of people with varying differences in opinion and what needs to be done. And so going back to that, um, the answer is I feel like at this point for me and possibly for others, like finding a nonprofit that has a mission that you truly believe in. For me, my number one mission is allowing people to have access to decent and affordable housing. And so finding Star House, which is going out into the tent sites and into the soup kitchens and into these places where people who are struggling with housing insecurity are and allowing them to gain access to a place where they can get their basic needs met and then have these 
resources that connect them back to the community. And I get to see kids every day who are growing, who they may not have had uh, access to medical care, but now they can come in and get prenatal care and other sort of medical resources. And they may have had some legal issues, and now they have access to a lawyer who can right there and then uh, do something for them. So for me, it's seeing this impact every day. That's pretty immediate too. <laughs> yes. And I don't think government will ever work like that. It wasn't built to be like quick like that. And so I found that, yeah, I ran and I needed to because it taught me a lot and gave me a new perspective. But right now I'm content with not being elected because I know that I'm doing greater work out in the community now, seeing people get their needs met and grow and prosper right now. Awesome. Is that something you think you might return to in the future? You constantly think about it. I mean, once you do it and been involved in it for a while, it's something you don't, you can't just throw away. But you have to think about, so how do I do it more strategically next time so that I can get the party's endorsement and use some of those resources that they have that I may not have to really get my name out there. So what I'm doing is, you know, I'm gaining a lot of knowledge around the issues. And so when I run again, if I do, I will be able to come with all this experience of seeing it, of growing up in it, but also helping people get out of it. And those are the kind of people we need in government. We need more people who have seen it and have lived it and can be empathetic to it and bring that voice. But also, you got to learn how to talk to people. You got to learn how to work together with people. And you got to understand that what you believe is right, not everyone else believes is right. So, what do you come, what's the common thread? And what I've found is that at the end of the day, we're human. We're all human. And we all yeah. want shelter and food and a chance to thrive, right? <laughs> Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah, that sums it up. I love that. <laughs> now, I have one more question for you. For, sure. for somebody who's never been involved in politics, what's the best way for them to get involved and yeah. actually start to grow that interest? Think about what keeps you up at night. What's something that's always on your mind that you're thinking, this could be better? Learn as much as you can about that and think about what party you're interested in. Take that issue and compare and contrast with the party systems. Does this party support that issue? Does it it not? And go from there and choosing a party. And then each party has these volunteer opportunities all the time. I mean, depending on where you live, you can easily search the local party there, and I'm sure someone is willing. They're looking for volunteers. They're looking for people. Do you just search for, like, Democratic Party Yeah, hangout? it's that simple. <laughs> uh, Democratic or Republican Party in Franklin County or wherever you are, just it's easy. Google and Find out ways to get involved with your party and, and learn how they operate and, and, you know, get involved with a mission at a nonprofit and really start learning the issues and go from there. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for yeah, sharing all the you, insight. Adam. I appreciate it. I hope some people can just become inspired 
and hopefully get involved more. Yeah, no, it's always been a big question in my mind of just how how people get involved in politics to begin with and and where what that whole process looks like. So I love your whole journey of being involved in all sorts of different stages. Yeah. I think that's really cool. So yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. I'm so glad Lamar could join me on this podcast. With all the political news that swirls around, I've long wondered what else I can do as an individual. I hope Lamar's story shared some useful ideas on how you can get involved and what running for office actually means. You can find out more in the show notes on peoplehelpingpeoplepodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.